This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons, patrons such as John and Camilla. If you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. Listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, the JRPG Games Club podcast that likes the obedient listeners more. This is season eight, episode fifteen, covering the ending climax section of Abel's Art in Xenosaga episode three. I'm your host, Chris Taylor. My pronouns are he, him, and with me today is Sybil Arnett, she, her. Brian Beatty, they, them. Mad Marcus, he, him. Boo. Uh, someone tell me what happened last episode. Absolutely nothing. The party yeah. is inside Abel's astounding arc and still not finished. Nothing has happened since we arrived. Yeah. Is, is that a first for this show? No. <laughs> there's just nothing to talk about. I'm sorry. Oh, I could not think of any interesting way to put a spin on last episode. We played with some orbs. That's about it, really. Yeah, we did that uh, David Bowie contact juggling thing, but with Zohar emulators. So, the yellow orb begins on a flat plane where nothing happens, but wait! The real gimmick here is the next area where green and purple barriers block your progress and teleporters lie beside each. Every time you use one, you'll swap from ES to human parties with enemies matching. Purple barriers are immune to ESs, green barriers are immune to humans. Your goal is to swap to the correct party for each blockage, but your real goal is to go down a side alley and get Jin an incredibly sick sword. That sword so, is so sick. Th- that this sword is extremely sick. Also, though, this is the most interesting of the four orb mini dungeons, just because there's like something going on besides you know racing an orb down to a lake or whatever. But really, at the end of the day, all it's doing is like increasing the number of trial and error options. It's like oh, okay. I teleported into the wrong zone, and now I see that I should be teleporting two to the left so that I can get that chest before going back and doing the same thing again. So it's fine. I was happy that there was like some brain power being used here for this bit, but you know, very glad to be done with the orbs after this. I mean, to be honest, I was a little annoyed because, you know, for one thing, there are enemies that respawn between the two areas. So like if you screw up and go have to go back and flip over the other way, the enemies, at least like the one like directly in your way responds and like you end up burning a lot more traps and you're like splitting either the anima you're getting for your mechs or the boost that you're getting for your characters. You're kind of splitting that. So like if you spend a little too much time here or you didn't fill up on your traps right beforehand, you're going to run out and it's going to, you know, 
kind of suck because these battles become a slog when you can't just like instagib all of them. I don't think that's that big of a deal, though, right? Because the thing with you only need one trap for every three mech encounters because you because because they all get their own boost gauge and it applies the bonus to all of them, right? So you get triple mm-hmm. value out of a mech trap. Well, the thing is, because the attacks that are party or like enemy party wide are level two and you get one boost per trap, it's not quite one to three. It's more like. Yeah, but that sounds like a skill issue because there are, there are six enemies in every encounter and only five can be on the field. So you kill five of them and then you have the guy who used his boost last battle who only has one boost now to kill the last guy and then you're back up to two. Oh, that only happened to me once where there was one extra enemy left because they couldn't be on the field. Like I literally all just the time. It's very annoying. Oh, no, it, it does not. Yeah. Every time I go into these battles and I have two boosts, I just I do the anima special attack and kill everybody and leave. It's nice and easy. But I don't know. It's just a miter quibble. Also, like on the PlayStation hardware, you know, just waiting for the next the other version of the level to load up takes some time which is annoying i didn't end up using the sword by the way because like because i'm doing the dodge tank right the sword that's like the level before has plus 10 luck so it gets me like from 40 luck to 50 luck and it's been doing really good work triggering a lot of uh, counters and revenges so i didn't actually try it out this time this is the one though you use the the prayer beads to turn into the ultimate weapon right no uh, that is one that is the, the one sword? that's going to be unlocked in the shop very shortly. Okay, so. Oh, well. <laughs> it, that's very funny to me to hear that Jin uses prayer beads to make her sword stronger. Fucking weeaboo. <laughs> a robot's <laughs> actually going to use the prayer beads to make a sword stronger for him. Oh, buddy. Bandai Namco. No, shit. That's Activision. I was thinking of the other From games. I was like, Bandai Namco owns both Sekiro and Xenosaga, so we could get a Jin Sekiro game. And then I remembered that. I would love that. Sadly, no. I would love that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Xenosaga revival out of nowhere. And it's a fucking Jin Uzuki Sekiro game. The monkey's paw curls. Square Enix brings you a Saiten Uzuki NFT. No! <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a non-zero chance that actually happens. I gotta say, shout-outs oh to God. the sword and the fact that I have finished the attacker tree. And now that I'm in the evasion tree, you get that thing that crits almost all the time. And with this sword, uh-huh. having gone down the strength tree and everything else, I'm critting for like 2,200 damage a turn, including the follow- not including the 300 damage follow-up attack. You're just doing like yeah. 2,500 damage every turn. Fucking rocks. Oh, that's that's way more damage than I'm doing. Yes, because I went if down you the street. Paid... <laughs> yeah, I know. It, I, yeah, if you if you paid any attention to make Jin an offensive instead of defensive character, he's just an unstoppable beast at this point. It's great. Yeah, like it feels it feels good that he's doing a lot of crits and a lot of damage on the evasion tree or like he's evading a lot of attacks and countering but like yeah it's definitely not doing that much damage why do you need to evade it i don't understand why you need to evade attacks matt you have 99 of the item that fully heals you from death and all your ep no i have nine of them (laughs) what i didn't i didn't ever go back and buy a lot of them i bought like 15 and i've just been writing that i still have like 85 of them yeah, I also don't let my characters die that often. Oh, I let them uh, die just to get the, the EP thing. back. Oh, I, I did that in these boss. Well, one of these boss battles, uh, I let that happen. But 
you know, I don't do it as a like a regular matter of course. We're all playing this game so differently. It's great. I know. Mm-hmm. Items mm-hmm. are too strong in all of the Xenosaga games, and I'm glad I identified mm. that immediately. Mm. I got through this dungeon using a lot of Chaos and a lot of Ziggy because they both have heavy break multiple enemies attacks and so i could get like everybody into a break state the second that i had to boost to use on the human scale things it was very fun the combat in this dungeon is very good because no matter what party you have you have a way to dunk on a lot of guys like in the like in the gnosis encounters two of them are weak to lightning so momo just fucking annihilates them with like thunderstorm three or whatever the fuck and then Coast, mm-hmm. the other one will be weak to fire, and you just fucking do like 2,000 damage to it with Cosmos's Valkyrie. Yeah. Because of all of the physical attacks and the fact that Ether and Beam are elements, um, I like kind of forget about the elemental side of the damage trees here, and they are very powerful with affinities and weaknesses. Yep. So. You know, yeah, I also always, always have somebody in the party with the goggles accessory so that I can just like see those little triangles, you know, just it makes it easy. It It's especially made good that the, a lot of the boost attacks are elemental, right? Like Momo's AOE is lightning. So just fucking wreck shop in this dungeon. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So at the end of Piss World, we have one more Natus boss. Uh, again, element swapped. Yeah, boo. Um, so this one is strong to lightning. So you want to guard against lightning as well. But really, all four of these bosses, I had the exact same computer chip configuration because, like, I could, I could feel like it was just the smartest, and that was decharge so that i could like heal back to full very easily the best one clean so that i could remove status effects and then d kill r and d kill c to just eliminate the opportunity for the natus to do any of his revenge attacks and between those four you know that that took up all my slots basically which kind of boring but also made these much easier the the weird asher configuration i have where i basically get an ambush every time continues to carry Mm. Mm. so because of the boss's chaos eye attack that inflicts skin down at the very least d kill r should be pretty universal that starts to hit about a third of the way in otherwise this is the same as the other three that we talked about over the last two episodes damage increases over time as it loses life so it can start nuking when it is like very close to death but also you can just bust it with anima attacks as long as you're not using a lightning anima attack and then you get a new trap you get a new trap yeah the game traps you by giving you the new level of anima attack which is actually extremely Uh, bad to do in the upcoming boss yes yes abs right (laughs) so at the end you get an extremely sick new armor the only real wrinkle here is this boss will cast protect on itself in the last third of the fight and so ether skills are a way to get around that there are some really good ether anima attacks as well right so after fighting not as Talus or whatever the last mech boss you beat in this section because you can do them out of order or in whatever order the ESs begin resonating again and Chaos claims it's because the original Zohar is so close and is being meddled by Yuriev. Uh, Ziggy mentions that 
thanks to this, Abel's Ark is uh, disintegrating planets at an even faster rate now, which is <laughs> wild. I. It is a problem of the way that Xenosaga 3 is that, like, there's basically like this galactic holocaust <laughs> happening and no one knows about it at all. And it doesn't make any impact in the game because the game yeah. is just a tube where you never go anywhere. Like to make this feel good, you would have to have like a galaxy map that you fly between and then more of them become unavailable through this point. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You would have to have like other planets you spend time on. And so now you go, oh, those characters I knew, they're all dead now. But. That also wouldn't work in Xenosaga because you can just time travel via the UMN dive anyway, right? Like, I think it's impossible for the Xenosaga series to sell this very well. Well, Xenosaga episode one was much better at selling the idea of a space opera than the other two. I feel like that game, more more than any other of the games, really any other of the Xeno games in general made me understand what the galactic stakes were but then this is again so truncated and also such an intense character focus that yeah it it, i feel completely disconnected from what's going on in the galaxy outside which is a real big knock against this game yeah 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 i think we we talked about this in previous episodes the only stakes we've seen come to play that are visible to us are Helmer and Second Milsha are gone. The Durandal was slaughtered almost to a T, and all the survivors fit on the else. That was fucked up. That's it. Wait, dude, I thought Second Milsha's not... I thought that survives this conflict. We just let them... Like, we're, we've we lost contact with them because they're so busy trying Some to... Some of the people, people might survive via the escape ships, but the planet is definitely gone. Right. Yeah, it was like we heard a last broadcast from Helmer, but I think that Helmer's still alive because Helmer made it onto a ship and the planet destroyer only destroys planets. Well, if we're all going to just admit that we know it, yeah, Helmer's going to be in the ending. Oh, I, I didn't, didn't I didn't know I, it. I, I wasn't it was, admitting it. Yeah, well, I was just, Why were you all so fucking confident then? <laughs> well, because he's because a because the character. Rules. They weren't going to kill him. What's the point? That's not true because of the rules of the fucking the thing that they have set up. Yeah. Will explicitly mean that he will be fine mm-hmm. if he got on the ship. Well, you didn't know that. You just heard him silenced. Well, he said, no, all he said was, he said he's getting on a ship. He was like, yeah, I, you know, we're, we'll hold off for as long as possible, but I'm definitely getting on a ship. And that's, it, and we've also already found out before that ships are unaffected by this. Mm-hmm. So if you could add one on one, you get two, right? All right. Well, mm-hmm. now I feel like an asshole. So there. Good. <laughs> uh, anyway. We are close to the end of this game now, and so we have our full arsenal getting unlocked at this point, because now we can do level three Anima Awakening. But don't do it. And it's it's so costly. It takes so long to build up Anima well, to level three. You explicitly get punished for doing so in the first boss fight you would use it in, which is extremely bad to me. Mm. Wait, ha- well, I guess we'll talk yeah, about let's, it. Let's I, cover that I, when we get there, because I disagree. I used it twice and I didn't necessarily regret it, but like it was more like opportunity that I was able to do that rather than I build towards it. Yeah. But anyway, if you're having any uh, trouble at this point, like with either the, the mech fights or like the boss battle coming up, you could use your now powered up mechs to do another sweep through the yellow orb for grinding. And uh, 
yeah, everybody should have armor that would put them over 40,000 or frames that put them over 40,000 HP. So that should make life uh, a lot easier for you. There's a nice little touch here where even though like, so the orbs are shut down and you can see the core, the core is glowing brighter, but you have to still like blast your way through a few, like, I don't know what to call them, vines, tentacles, whatever, <laughs> uh, to get to the core, which is a nice little touch. You know, keeping things looking organic. Do they look organic, though? Because all I see is a fucking mess. Like, it, this, the, the central orb is just like a glowing mass of undifferentiated color, and I think it looks terrible. I mean, I wouldn't say it's well art directed. I don't think what they're going for works for me here mm -hmm. because you can't, you don't. If the camera shifted, right, to be behind the back and there were some spaces and this was a little hallway where you blasted the vines and got farther in, that would be cool to me. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, this is just annoying. And also, you have to get really far in there. I got sucked into another orb twice. I was very... Oh, angry. rip. Oh, that happened to me one <laughs> time. Yep, yep. <laughs> because also, like, the hitboxes uh, are kind of tough to judge at the well, end they're of like the tear camera. shaped right the hitbox is much bigger in the back than just the orb because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mm. yeah, they don't want you to miss the orb Look at yeah that but i'm trying to miss the orb fuck off Sybil, yeah. <laughs> were you trying to make an orb bussy joke i did say the hit bussy on those orbs <laughs> it's juicy i like back. Mm, mm. see i thought i heard that but i wasn't sure <laughs> The core entrance immediately drops you out of the mechs into a room with Dimitri, and the very first thing he says is, What took you so long? You're wasting the powers I gave you, son. And this cutscene is just Junior trying to get his brother back, and Dimitri going like, at least one of these at least one of you was good for anything. Repeatedly just fucking get owned, a little nerd. <laughs> Eventually he begins giving his supervillain speech, which is how you know you're gonna murder him immediately. He says, I gained these powers when I made contact with Udu, the first human being to do so. But in doing so, I was implanted with an inescapable fear. And he says the only way to conquer this fear would be to conquer God. And his plan involves reuniting the relics of God to do so here above Mictum. If he can combine the Zohar and Zarathustra down on the surface, he's good to go, being able to ascend to the realm of God. Junior doesn't love this, so we go into an FMV. And Junior's like, so when you made contact with them, you were already infected. Dimitri's like, infected? This is power. And then he just begins glowing purple and starts puppeting Omega behind him. <laughs> this is just a fraction of my power. You don't think you could stop me, do you? And then you get him a bunch of times. <laughs> this is such... Um... I know we've gone over this before. I mean, that's kind of my problem, and, and I want to get into it after the fight, that in a game that's been so economical, this is repeating a lot of the same beats that we already know. But like, God, his whole like, number one, the protagonists are supposed to kill God in a JRPG, not the antagonists. But this antagonist wants to kill God. So, you know, that's a little different, I guess. But also, his motivation is so simplistic and it's fine. It's just he is a scenery chewer for like a third of this game and then the tail end of this dungeon and then he's gone. And I don't think he works. I Yeah, he he's the biggest victim of the truncation, right? Because he comes in in this game and then also 
doesn't show up for most of it, and then he's out. And because I, I think the problem, oh, go ahead. The, the problem is that his motivation is supposed to be fear, right? But you don't see any vulnerability in mm-hmm. him, like whatsoever, right? Like his whole thing should be he is making bad decisions because he's fearful. But it's no, he's so confident in himself and his goals and what he's trying to do that that doesn't come through at all. And it just feels really weak. Yeah. And he's he's also just the ways that he is an abusive dad are so like carbon copy of the sci-fi mech show abusive dad. I mean, he doesn't have the demeanor of Gendo, but he has basically everything else. And that also, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a bummer. And it's also a bummer because we had a, we had a whole ass game that was fucking junior focused that they could have done something with Yuri Evan and they didn't. And he's not even a Gendo because Gendo, you know, has a vulnerability, right? right? Like he loved his wife and a lot of what he's trying to do is to try to get back to her. And, you know, he isn't like. Uh, cedary chewer as as you said he's not just like hamming it up right so like it gendo is way more effective because of that i i think yuri might be one of the only villains that gets turbo owned by the pacing because with the testaments it's fine voyager is just a villain without a plot he's just there because he's really strong we already knew a lot about virgil and kevin so we already have enough development for them but yuri just comes and goes too fast yeah so, so why even have Yuriev? Well, because he's important to the story and you're trying to wrap up three games worth of story. And well, hours. I mean, at this point, yeah, I'm saying like if you're thinking if a lot of this was planned ahead of time, right, you know, you'd have to think that there needed to be some kind of emotional core to this villain, whereas the other ones, like, like you said, we spent a lot of time or there's a lot of long running threads about them. And it does seem like he just kind of got shoved in the middle. <laughs> like this could just be the fact that, you know, the newbies who worked on actually, you know what? They didn't create Yuriev, right? That was definitely. Yeah, he was already in the backstory. He's a not zero part of Pied Piper. Mm -hmm. It is definitely a fumbling of Xenosaga 2 that Yuriev isn't focused there because that would be where you would. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And instead it's Albino. (laughs) Right. Let's let's just talk about Yuriev since where he's kind of at the end of his arc right now. Mm -hmm. His entire concept is touched the face of Udu became implanted with an all-consuming fear of that, up to the point where he used his augmented existence to defy death for over a century in inhumane ways. So, there's a lot to deal with there. He's trying to push forward human evolution via his experimentation and designer children. We've got something there. But... Between that and the fact that he's now at the point of, none of my goals matter... Every sacrifice is for the greater good. He'll even say that a couple of times in these scenes. All the planets being disintegrated are just there to make it better when we save the rest of them from God. None of the landing is happening, and his themes are out the window, and he's just become a cackling Republic serial villain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Even though there is an extremely deep backstory of shit that happens in between games two and three, and also like an extremely huge amount of context in the database for these games, even Doctus, uh, maybe not Doctus, but even everybody besides Doctus is better explained in the text of the actual game instead of in the supplemental stuff. 
Yeah, I have a better idea of who Kanan is than Yuria. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's here's a thought experiment. Do you think the game would be better if Yuriev kills Udu and ascends to godhood and then we kill him, probably with, let's say, with the help of um, Albedo just to close that loop? Would that be better than what we'd have here? I don't know, because I don't know what we have at the end. Yeah, I know what we have, and I would say that would be weaker because we're about okay. to get okay. the payoff. Yeah, yeah, Ab- yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, because I mean the the thing that's still bothering me isn't the, is the real villain, right? Like the no, real no, villain is Wilhelm. what's his name. Yeah, yeah it's Wilhelm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the two people we still have in play are Wilhelm and Ormus. Mm-hmm. Also, Kevin. Ke- let's be real. Kevin is the real villain. <laughs> Kevin's still a lackey, but he's the most villainous, I think, so far. Yeah. Okay. So it, the first. F- oh. I was going to say, the reason I feel like Kevin is the most villainous is that, like, a level of personal villainy matters a lot more to me. Like, that interpersonal kind of, like, violence that he does is a lot more impactful than, and now my robots are going to go and steal all the pieces of God. Like, whatever, dude. Yeah. I cannot wait for one month from now. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Me neither, because I'll be free. No, you won't. We have three nope, episodes nope. left. Oh, we no. have three episodes left. <laughs> oh, we have four but, episodes left because we have an entire episode where you tell us what the plot of these games was. <laughs> oh, okay. We're doing that again. Yeah, sure. This is the third time I've said this and you've seemed surprised by it. Please. Well, it's not on the schedule, Chris. <laughs> what happens when you read the schedule? You don't see it. I, well, I can't read the schedule and I can't edit the schedule because no one's around to read it to me. Dmitry Yuriev, so you start off on foot facing him, uh, mono plus mono plus mono a mono, and it's not the worst. It has a couple of gimmicks that can be nasty. First off, Yuriev flat out halves fire, lightning, and ice damage. As a nice bonus, you can actually steal this from him via the General's Bracelet item. It rocks. Yeah, it's, it's a... Excellent endgame accessory for any human party member. Yeah, you just say, please, please don't own Momo. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, he can inflict the incredibly nasty curse status on characters, where any time they hit Yuriev, they self-damage, which adds up fast. That never happened to me. That seems bad. Yes. Yeah, that didn't happen to me either, I don't think. Curse Wait. is one of the nastiest uh, status effects in this entire series, yeah. and they keep it sparing. Telekinetic Wave is an all-party break attack, which shotguns the gauge up, and he can chain this to nasty effect. But the big problem is that Omega is behind this battle the entire time, and if he has a break gauge, he can command it to do some nasty shit. One gauge gets you Infinitum, an all-party chain ether attack complete with Abel screaming in pain inside the robot, and two lets him command Rasp All, which seals text on everyone without resist. Yep, that sucks. That's the worst part, is the sealing text and sealing ether even more so. Because I didn't have that many cleansers on hand, which was... Oh. Well, but, I had a, but, but I had a million medkit DXs, so whatever. And also, I mean, Shion is a goat for this fight because one of her special attacks seals boost and it actually works on Yuriev. Wait, it does? It did for me. 
So That's sick. And that was that was like I had two boost going into the fight, and I used mm-hmm. Xion's seal boost. And between that and uh, having Ziggy cast heat on himself to interrupt uh, Uriah's boost attacks, the mech was almost never a problem for me, which was great. Honestly, I didn't think the mech did that much damage. Like it hit me like I want to say three times, and it wasn't like oh, it's an emergency now. Well, but what the mech does is it, the mech does then make Yuriev more dangerous because That's of true. that knock on like boost interrupt that he can do. And also like, yeah, the telekinetic wave builds up quick. Yeah, the the wave is the thing that's dangerous here, especially because it will. Like break your entire party if you're not careful. Yeah. But honestly, like, you really only need cleansers for for your healer character if you luck out in the turn order, which thankfully I did, because I would just, like, throw a cleanser on Shion and then have Shion cast Refresh on everybody else, and it was, and so it was fine. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot that Refresh actually got rid of the locks. I didn't realize that until, Mm -hmm. like, late in the battle. As someone mentioned, Seal Boost works on him if you want to shut that down. Having a tank use heat on him, he will attack instead of commanding Omega. Beyond that, it's just keeping healed and not letting him wipe the party with a bad combo. He's got two incredibly great accessories, steal the General's Bracelet for all of his element resistance, and he drops the God's Experience, an excellent grind-boosting item for XP if you want to just Love to think about how the Lord started at level one. (laughs) I mean, that is canon. Yeah. In the beginning. But he just didn't have enough EP, and that's why he needed a rest day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You um, know, the start mm-hmm. of the Bible is very much like the plot of I've been grinding slimes for 300 years and maxed out my level. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I should have taken a screenshot with this, but I forgot what the screenshot combination is on PC because I'm usually a Mac person. It's um, called print screen. Th- oh, thanks. Uh, that's not on my laptop keyboard. Windows Sorry. Shift S then. Okay. Thank you. Anyway. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. But I just have to say that the that the post-battle item screen saying acquired colon God's experience made me laugh out loud. I I found this battle very easy and very boring, and I did not bother with heat or seal boost, and I did not try to interact with the boss's mechanics in any way, because we just you're doing so much damage now, right? Like you just Valkyrie's damage is not reduced that much because only one of the hits is fire elemental, but it still does massive break damage. So Jin is just hitting for 2,500 every turn. Momo is either just healing or hitting him with um the beam shot three every turn. She started going down the other tree, so we have offensive running at all times, you know, quick running at all times. And Cosmos has um recover EP, which you cast on Momo, so you don't it does not matter that you spend 30 EP a turn when you get like 12 back. And then if Momo dies, you can just fully refill her anyway. There's uh, just numbers through this one uh, because I have so many med kit DXs, right? From mm. everything. There are too many items in this game. And they do too much and they don't cost enough when you buy them. Huh. I did also forget to mention uh, Yuriev is human, so you can use the neck snap, the head slam, yep. all those yep. break. K Pike, love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a very different experience. I had a lot of fun with this boss and I think it might just be because I am underleveled compared to you because it was like, I, didn't... I also decided not to try. So yeah, that's also fair. Cause I, I really liked this fight and I didn't 
die or wipe or anything, but the reasons why I didn't is because I was engaging with the mechanics. It was like I had to do the seal boost and I had to do the heat or else I probably would have at least lost a couple of characters. Yeah, I, I did not do the heat because I would be losing like 1,200 damage around. After the battle, Junior tries the classic, you've lost, just give up to the supervillain. The old, die with dignity, man. Yuriev uh, is not having it. He's like, you think I'm afraid of you? You think that this is the extent of my power? And then Yuriev uh, coats the entire arena in a black and red flame aura and starts manipulating Omega himself, flying into the air with a struggling able inside of the mech, fighting whatever is animating the machine. It is extremely uh, Kaoru controlling the Zero Two from Eva. Yuriev uh, then says, Fear drives evolution. Human beings have used their intelligence to conquer their fears and obtain power. Oh, yes, this is that power I speak of. So once again, we are back to Nietzsche, but like this time, instead of. Instead of using a very broad and cartoonish interpretation of Nietzsche to critique Nietzsche, like happens in uh, episode one, this just feels like, let's just make a supervillain say some Nietzsche shit about how, yeah. Xenosaga one treated Nietzsche with the amount of respect that Nietzsche deserves. <laughs> this is just like, yeah, you know, fear of death drives like all human innovation because we're all so scared to die that we invent all of this shit to run away from death. But he's like, <laughs> Nietzsche's like, that's bad, actually. And Yuriev's <laughs> like, that's I, good, actually. That's why we invented fruit smoothies. Yeah. I mean, this, this is why we start podcasts. <laughs> <What>? Fuck. <laughs> we're, we're so afraid to die without leaving some kind of, uh, <laughs> some kind of post for that people to remember us by. Terrifying thought right now, buddy. Yeah. Horrifying thought. All of these podcasts that we're creating will allow people to create records of our voice for a perfect digital simulacrum because there's so much (laughs) recording of us. I love that for me. Yeah. (laughs) So at this point, Dmitry Yuriev kind of just like melds with Omega and maybe Abel. And it's like he absorbs the two of them, but also that the Omega is absorbing him at the same time. And it's just if they be they become a homunculus and uh, brief, like just poor fucking Abel, who we don't really learn much of anything about. We just like see him wreck cosmos and then be a neurodivergent like you know shell child and then uh yeah he's just a rain he's a rain boy and then he's a few hundred years old yeah okay yeah he is is a rain man i'm i'm sorry april my apologies and then we see him scream a lot and then get absorbed could have done without that to be honest in the yeah it was it was genuinely unnerving but i'm not sure if it was worth the unnerving. 
well, it was very annoying since I didn't interact with the boss, so I heard it like 20 <laughs> times. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so after, you know, while all of this weird absorption is happening, the machine itself begins evolving, and his last words before uh, we get a mech scale battle is, allow me to show you the same fear Albedo and I received. The last words before battle are Junior's panicked, transfer ES, as Omega turns into Deus from Xenogears. Related to this, where Deus had little angels as ads, Omega now has a tiny Weltall and Virge beside it. Don't think too hard about how this works in the universe, given that we are millennia prior to those being invented, or a piece of lore in the database making this even wilder, which uh, put a pin in that. Yeah, I'll I'll bring that up when we do the optional boss next time. Mm-hmm. So so these are these are Zeno Gears references. Yes, uh, this boss is basically the final boss. The two mechs beside it are the mechs of Faye and Ellie. Ah, okay, okay, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, you know Abel being the other most explicit Zeno Gears reference in Zeno Saga. So all of this is just callback city. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Although technically call forwards, question mark. Uh, technically a call back, according to the data log. <laughs> so confusing. Anyway, uh, then we start the boss battle. Uh, the single most handy thing you can do for this is to equip every mech with D-beam. Uh, unfortunately, you uh, can't have done this uh, unless you did it before the fight with Yuriev, so... If you just kind of went into this cold, uh, this could hurt a lot. The other problem is, if you do die here, you get to redo both bosses, which I was mildly concerned about, actually. And uh, this is not a fast fight, because there's no way to really make this fast, because the boss's name is Omega Metempsychosis. Try to make sure I read that correctly. You did. It has uh, just about half a million HP. And it's being powered by an infinite energy source, which I guess, thank God, it doesn't do any healing. Because that would have been the real kick of the pants. I don't think any mech bosses heal. Probably. Oh, no, there is one. I did. One of the bosses in the orbs, I think, healed themselves, I think, for like, not a lot, though. It was only like 20,000 or something. It only took like a couple of Really? Okay. Yeah, but it was like one time and it was really weird. And they all can get healed because a bunch of the uh, weapons you can buy have elements on them, like gins mainly. Yeah, Yeah. I mostly meant none of them have a skill where they cast Medica on themselves. Yeah. No, because there isn't such a move for mechs, thankfully. Well, (laughs) I wish I had it in this in this fight. I just kept burning through like the items to heal up throughout this thing. That's fine. All the other mech battles have been so easy. You have a thousand of them. I know, that's the thing. Uh, (laughs) Get ready, buddies. (laughs) (laughs) So, real brief etymology dictionary corner. Metempsychosis is, it's like an ancient Greek philosophical concept. And it is the uh, transmigration at death of the soul of a human being or animal into a new body of the same or different species. So, Omega Metempsychosis, like being very on the nose there. Also, a really big part of Ulysses, where Joyce kind of posits that this concept of metempsychosis happens every time we learn more about the self, and so self-knowledge 
transforms us into a new form after the old self dies, essentially. So I think that that is neat. I guess that's thematically relevant to like, I don't know, Xi'an in this case. Well, yeah, and fucking Albedo. It's not Albedo. Uh, oh, sorry, uh, Yuriev also. Oh, yes, yes, Yuriev, of course. Uh, I'll point out well, next episode, we will have a corner on the optional mech boss, which is another Omega variant, and I will go into all of the lore about those at that point. Beautiful. Fun. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the boss is going to blast you with a lot of beam and ether attacks, and it'll eventually start pulling its own Enema Awakening plus special attack combo called Ex Nadio. And there is a way to interrupt it, and it tells you straight up how to do this. Um, you'll get a message saying if you launch two special attacks on your own between Omega's Awakening and firing off the move, it'll cancel the attack out. This could be a little problematic if you were like me and were just using your skills as they came up and just ended up in a cycle where you didn't have enough anima to do that because uh, when this hits you, it fucking sucks. <laughs> Especially like if you're going to start using the level threes because that's so costly. Like I definitely used a level three, then this triggered and then everyone was empty and I ended well, up getting nearly owned. The reduction in gauge accumulation between level two and level three is massive. Mm -hmm. Oh, is it? Is mm -hmm. that, that's, Probably the biggest problem. Because you could build up a one in a single attack if you're using like your mid-tier attack like three times or whatever. You can get that in a single turn. But a turn three will take you like six rounds to get. Yeah, that's I think that's really the thing that makes it terrible, right? Because yeah. when I did the level three attacks, it did like 64,000 damage. Yeah, and the level ones is, do like 20, right? It's because you know, nah, they did like 14. Oh, they did I, like 12 I've definitely used mine a lot because they level up also because uh, so I'm yeah. like this takes about five times as long to get to but only does three times as much damage this is extremely inefficient especially in a boss where I need to have a lot of anima attacks all the time yeah yeah that's a that's what makes this like level three thing a big trap right because otherwise you're you feel like you need to save right or you're you're burning through your anima when you really need to be holding onto it for this it's an optimizer sicko trap yeah. My move is to always aim for a level three, but if you need to cancel Ex Nacio, then that means you have them on hand. Or using Awakening on a mech will cure it of status effects, which you can use as a way to just not oh. lose a turn healing mm -hmm. if you need to, since he does hit you with status on a couple of attacks. Also, I disrespected mm -hmm. the boss too much, and I had two mechs for half the fight. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean that that's what nearly happened to me uh one of my i almost got wiped on an x audio and one of my mechs did die but thankfully i was able to just heal back up and just you know get to the end which wasn't so bad the worst part is one of my surviving mechs was the zebulon which does like no fucking damage <laughs> i hate that thing that thing sucks you know to me i don't know if you noticed though you don't lose experience or right. Uh, skills if your mechs die right which is why i didn't care yeah the only thing that it affects is the mech that sat out the one that's sort of not act was wasn't actively in the party by the end they don't get the boost from the finishing strike but honestly the thing that's kind of disappointing to me about 
like the tuning of this is that you're still only getting like 30 skill points for these bosses. So oh, like, it sucks. It's so, so few. You would expect to get like 100 and then you land the extra skill. And you get 150. Great. I can actually almost get through a level 300, you know, skill tree because we're at the really end of the skill trees for a lot of these characters or like, you know, we're going back through the other ones. Like if you finish Strike Yuria, you only get 45, which really sucks for like final boss tier enemies. Yeah. Yeah. I was expecting to be way more through the tree at this point or like getting way more skill points by now. But yeah, like 15 skill points extra. That's like one fight for yeah. like two fights of like regular enemies. It's not it's almost We're, not worth trying for. Yeah, they take those fights take like 10 percent of the time. So um, we're about to reach the final collection of dungeons uh, as of our next recording session. That's when the skill point caps come off. That's when it gives you the final gear in the game. And we're doing, even if you guys skip the optional bosses, four boss fights before the end of next recording session. And there's about that many per week until we're done. Christ almighty. So get ready. Are there even that many named characters left to murder? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to well, do you still 90% have of the Vessels of Anima next week. Yeah, and th- yeah, there's the other, the other uh, ESs we haven't fought yet. Yep. Oh, and then yeah. the one we fought and then didn't finish, like, uh, was it Dan? And then the yeah, we're, we're ending at probably. the ES Dan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of bosses left, so yeah, I'm hoping that by around that point, I have enough points to like go down the other layers for most of the characters and try these other things that I haven't been able to use. It's doing a workers' revolution, I guess. I re-ran through the final dungeon because all of you were going, I don't know if we need to split this into three, and it's like, oh, buddy, we need to split this into three. Okay. All right. Works for me. One of them is just the 45-minute ending. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Is the song bad like in Xenosaga 1? No, it's actually quite nice, although the censorship makes it really stupid in places like i've been using the ending song for the ending of this podcast the entire season <laughs> or at least a, a small cut of it because it's like a 12 minute medley or whatever but anyway omega metempsychosis will drop the d anima item or well i guess it's a yeah disc. whatever it is you disc which is a gauge boost accessory for mechs which is key to one of the optional bosses you know you could have had less dumb named items if you had put a little icon next to it and you wouldn't have to call it the d anima it could just be a little hard drive icon and we could be done with our lives here that probably is very annoying after the site we go back to fmv mode and dimitri just like fucking slithers out of the front from like under its chin like a snake out of the mech just to speak claiming this is useless and the zohar is infinite and i have able to draw from as well and junior is forced to admit that oh we really can't do shit about this and it looks pretty bad until fucking a familiar voice and a white cloaked figure descend from the sky it's fucking albedo let's go and he just says <laughs> You're way over your head. That power is not yours. You're just being seduced by it, just as I once was. The eternal time, the infinite cycle of rebirth. Human existence is meaningless amidst that flow. 
And Junior's just like, I knew it was Albino as he takes off his mask. And Albino just says, yo, Rubino, I'm so happy to see you again. And I came, he says, I came to warn you, my hopeless but most beloved of other half. But first we have to do something about these. And he just like gestures over at the uh, Zohar, Omega and Abel. They just immediately separated from each other. Abel and the Zohar get tossed into a portal to somewhere, probably where Wilhelm is. And uh, Dimitri is spat out of the robot onto the ground as well. So, Albedo then begins speaking directly to Guinan, and by speaking to, I mean shitting on. <laughs> Yo, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, what are you still doing hanging around? Dimitri is just like, this is useless. He can't hear you. And Albedo's just going, shut up, asshole. This is sibling time. <laughs> what follows is Junior refusing to kill a resurfaced Guinan. Albedo going, you killed me and you won't kill him when he asks? I Dick. laughed. That's very good. It's incredibly <laughs> funny. And Albedo offering to do the mercy kill himself. I'm more powerful now. I could just take him. Like, snap. But... <laughs> Guinan begs Junior to be the one to finish this off. And as he disappears, Albedo says he's going to link with Negredo over Junior's confusion. Albedo's like, Dimitri is contaminated by Udu. Albedo plus Negredo plus Rubido. Anti-Udu waves. Great. He tells Negredo, body hop to Junior to live on. And as Junior tries to have a touching moment with Albedo, the albino just goes, oh, shut up. I hate both of you so much. <laughs> Then things get dumber. So, the, the three lads. They are. <laughs> I know, but. Um, so, the three brothers form an anti-Udu linkage, but it does not go according to plan because it never has once. Every time that they try to do an anti-Udu link, something else happens. This is not the worst case scenario, though. Uh, Dimitri Uriev still goes to hell, but Negredo decides he does not like being bossed around. And also, Albedo should really just shut up and admit his feelings. So... Negredo forces Albedo out of his own body into Rubido's, severing both of them from the Udu link. In a mental space between the three of them, Rubido plus Albedo combined a homunculus, I love that word, in the form of Albedo's body with Rubido's hair, is gaping at, is gawking at himself in awe. <laughs> I, I, I know that there's I know that there's a non-dirty usage of that word, but it just threw me for a loop. Um, it's okay, they whited out his balls and ass. Is gawking at himself in awe as Negrito monologues. He's like, That is your true form, Rubido. I've known my whole <laughs> life that my only purpose was to kill you, to negate you. I've only ever been a danger to your life. Rubido pleads otherwise, you know, that isn't true, and all of this. And Negrito then says, My duty to keep watch over you is over. No, I want it to be over. And just briefly, I want to say that there is between Kanan and Negredo, there is this through line of knowing one's purpose for certain being a tragic thing. Granted, both of them have very sucky purposes, uh, but like, I do think that this game is trying to say something with these two characters about how like too much certainty can lead to depression is trite here but you know like angst uh, yeah angst thank you uh rubido and citrine as well depression is trite says the emmett selka guy <laughs> all 
All right. There's Sorry. also one more character who has a bit of that, but we get that next time. Great. Mm-hmm. You know, when I saw like adult Rubido in this scene, I was, I was <laughs> hoping with like so hard that please make Junior adult size for the rest of this game. Oh, like a long Momo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a long Momo situation. Yes. Like I fucking I wanted it to happen because it would be so funny. <laughs> Chapter ten, long Momo. I am gonna say that he's right. That Junior's true form is just basically someone gaping at the plot of the game. <laughs> at any rate, I'm glad Matt brought it down from a good point so I could say that. I was really worried I wouldn't be able to say it after Ryan was done talking. <laughs> I'm kind of happy to be of service. Thank you. Uh, anyway, so Negredo briefly turns into his child form and says that they should play together again sometime. And then Albedo's body, Negredo's everything, and the wave existent parasite, Dmitry Yuriev, all phase out of existence. Hooray, we're done with this timeline, <laughs> or like this plot thread. So inside their shared form, Albedo speaks again, and he's just going, Ugh. he just put on a one-man show and ran off all by himself. He pissed me off to the end, Negredo. Which is a great line. It's so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Rubido can only mutter his sibling's name, and Albedo urges him on, saying, hey, don't worry about it. Whenever he gets to where he's going, he'll probably spy on us along with Citrine. Perverts. Anyway, as his consciousness fades away, Albedo delivers that warning he wanted to give his brother, which was the Zohar and Abel are on Mictum. So basically, here you go. Here's your next waypoint. But we already <laughs> knew that already, right? Yep. We, we knew we were going to victim. Literally the only place anyone gives a shit about anymore. It's like, what are the last five Practically places the, left in the universe? Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, it's like the only planet left. Mm -hmm. So, back aboard the Elsa, Mary and Shelley jolt awake, having heard a message from their departing uh, boy toy. And his final words on the plane were, take care of Rubido. Both of them just go, oh my god, he was still a tryhard even in his death. <laughs> which is very, very true. I love that everyone close to Guinan gets a round robin of dunking on him as he mm -hmm. saves everyone. It's, yeah, it's it just is like a, literally everyone just went this motherfucker. It is a fitting send off. Yeah, I have Guinan is very uncool. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. The best thing Guy about him is that he wears a suit so that when Dimitri took him over, Dimitri looked cool as fuck. <laughs> right. I have so many complicated feelings about this plotline here, this resolution. So, like, on the one hand, I'm glad that Junior didn't completely disappear from the plot through the whole of Xenosaga 3. And it's nice to have some of this revolution, uh, resolution. But on the other, it's a resolution that retreads a lot of the exact same themes that episode two did and yes episode two had a sad ending and this one has a happier ending but like it's it's dealing with the exact same shit and it the only difference is that everyone has just grown but we don't yeah. see enough of that growth and also like it feels like a dunk on the writers of xenosaga 2 it kind of does and 
one of the things that kind of squicks me out is like as much as we talk about how rad albedo is as a villain because he's like just so extra all the time testament albedo kind of now that he's you know severed with udu kind of being forgiven for all of the horrifically like personally heinous shit he did and i like in episode one in particular and like i know that no longer being linked with udu's consciousness is a big thing and that his mind was broken but like it's just a hand wave of like, oh, well, yeah, all the sexual assault and shit that you did in episode one is 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 okay. I'm going to say that I don't think that anyone has forgiven him except Junior. And it seems like he's been forgiven because the scene is from Junior's perspective. Okay. Yeah. Keep in mind, nobody outside of Junior just saw any of this happen. They're just like, oh, the two brothers did a thing and then most of them vanished. Sure, sure. They just got all sore it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. I will I'll keep paying attention to this though. Something it it rang off to me. It rattled my bones a little bit. And it felt at the time like the game was kind of letting Albedo off the hook, but I will I'll I'll keep the fact that it was from Junior's perspective in mind. So we mentioned that Yuriev feels like he got screwed by the rust pace. Albedo appears in two scenes, one of which where he only shows up as a towing vehicle, and his <laughs> mech falls out of the story. He has an mm-hmm. entire unmentioned vessel of anima that just never appears on screen again. Yeah. We never fought that mech once in any game. Uh, the simian? Well, no, we fought the simian in Xenosaga right, right, One, right? right? Well, we didn't. We didn't fight the upgraded form once he became a testament. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I was happy to have him back and you know, chewing up all the scenery. Like that was fun at the very least. But yeah, I wanted his music to come back. His music was so good in Xenosaga One. Yeah, that did not happen. So. I love every yeah, time I, I'm on he Ryan's re-enters side on the this, plot yeah. with the words, Yo, Ruby Doe. <laughs> yeah. That's a direct I love quote that they it. call that back. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I love that they called that, that back from, uh, well, I don't know if that, was that in episode one, two? I don't remember. I love his dumb smile. It's so good to me. He's like this <laughs> dumb grin that he does all the time. It's very, it's very endearing. He's like yeah. Kirby, where his eyes sell a lot of it. He can be the mm-hmm. most overjoyed motherfucker, or he can be the Joker. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. very expressive for a PS2 character. Yeah. While we're on faces, though, big upset thumbs down to the Yuriev character portrait that's like kind of squinting and looking yes. down. It's so bad. <laughs> it's I was just like cracking up at how ugly that fucking character portrait was. A lot of the portraits are so bad. Jin, yeah. Jin has one that makes him look like he's being cthulhu but also is extremely <laughs> concerned about it. <laughs> okay, this scene this every is like time shocked we... portrait, right? That's the one I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Every time in this scene that we cut from FMVs back to the dialogue box portion of the engine, Yuriev has some real bad ones here, including <laughs> one where he's just he looks like he's on fire with a bad aura, but also <laughs> making a face that's really hard to read as is, is that anger? Is that passion? What is it? It's, no, it's, yeah. SS, it's cracking up. It's SSG Yuriev. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Inside the void hangar where they just the villains hang out, Kevin and Wilhelm are just watching a glowing orb form between them. And Wilhelm says he finally achieved his wish. The remaining vessels will awaken soon. And Kevin just goes, yes, we testaments exist for that purpose in case you forgot the plot. And Wilhelm goes, it's time to go, Joshua. And with that, we see his massive robot that looks like Bastion, basically, uh, (laughs) teleport out. And somehow Wilhelm is revealed to be an even bigger asshole than we knew. A light beams outward from that black room to space where it teleports out of the center of the Damarug as the entirety of the Damarug was just being powered by his mech, Joshua. (laughs) Nobody apparently knew this. Everyone is very concerned. Even like Togosa comes back. Is that his name? No, it's not. Togosa is is the guy from Ghost in the Shell. It's. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Togashi. Mm-hmm. Yes. Togashi. Yeah. yeah. Even fucking Togashi is here, which is very funny to me that he comes back in Zeno Saga 3 with a voiced line. And everyone in the vector is just stranded in space without power or the backup power. And now their life support's not going to work. Get fucking owned. Miyuki very upset. And mm-hmm. the final thing we hear this week is Miyuki blaming Shion, not incorrectly, for this turn of events. And also, Cosmos had no speaking lines. Only Rubidio, Shion, and Ziggy did. <laughs> I I actually did. looked. So few of our party spoke this update, and Shion only got one line. As <laughs> they're kind of irrelevant, yeah. right? Like they're they're really Not irrelevant. They only part, exist yeah. to kill the bosses, who are the only movers now. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. I did miss Chaos. Chaos was also there. I forgot to write that down. But he right. only spoke I mean, in Chaos the Anima Awakening. <laughs> yeah, for one second. I, Chris, you forgot that Tagashi was like at the beginning of this game when we were at like the cat testing grounds. Like he was there, remember? Because uh, Roth Mantel came to dunk on the losers and he was one of the losers. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, that was like a it's thousand been a long years time ago. We, since we've seen him. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, it's because we recorded this literally like last year. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It's like over six months ago. <laughs> God, what am I doing? We got two more life? months of this. Two more months. Uh huh. Uh huh. This has got to be like probably the longest season. Actually, I don't know. The, the, the Final Fantasy VIII season might end up being longer than this. I'm not sure. Xeno Saga was biting off more than I thought it was. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was oh, very we're long. three <laughs> fucking dense games. Look. Uh huh. Uh huh. Like, no, no. Cole was not lying when he said, I'll see you in two years, right? I hate that. Because <laughs> it was actually, it, it'll be like a year in like, Eight months or something, but still. So this week's database entry of the week, speaking of the ship, is the Damarung, a free-orbiting colony that serves as Vector Industries' main headquarters. It is so large, 1,000 kilometers in length, that it is almost like an artificial planet. Love companies having city-states. 
<laughs> this is me actually going off book for a moment. This is not in the entry. That's not particularly amazing. That's under half of a Pluto. And if we count actual planets, it's a quarter Mercury. Who the fuck wrote that? <laughs> Who's going to do Pluto like that? Me. <laughs> the nerve center of the entire group and its affiliated businesses is gathered on this colony. Xion's living quarters, yes, she technically has an apartment, as well as the first R&D division where she was stationed, were also here. The office where Vector CEO Wilhelm converses with the Testaments is laid out in the upper block of the Damarung. The Damarung is categorized as a colony, but its mobility and firepower far outclasses even the military's large battleships. When the Kukai Foundation was in danger after being surrounded by Gnosis, it appeared before Xion with three allied ships. With those, it launched the powerful Rhine Maiden, a particularly noteworthy part of its power. The music of Wagner is always playing in Wilhelm's office. That was office. a cool mecha laser, right? Where it like spreads out? That was the three-way sonic cannon that just dispersed the fleet while they had the whole Song of Nephilim incident going on. Oh, yeah. The music of Wagner is always playing in Wilhelm's office. That combined with the name Rhine Maiden gives one a good idea of his tastes. Oh, God. Yeah, there it is. There it is. I probably wouldn't have added this entry if it wasn't for that final line. Oh, God. It's like, uh, mm, mm, okay, fascist. Great. Got it. Good. Got it. (laughs) (sighs) I almost used... Omega Metempsychosis is this week's database entry, but it actually has spoilers for something coming up in it. Oh, funny. Yes. So I I did paste this tweet into recording text. Let's take a look. Yes. Yes, I do love that. Chaos is my favorite Xenosaga character so far because he can shoot lasers, use magic, grow angel wings, and fucking fly, but he's just such a pleasant young man that none of the main party seems that bothered by it. It's so good. He's just also, a nice he, like, young man. Gnosis is the Gnosis. Yeah. And he's so gentle about it. He's like, it's time to do this thing that I know how to do. Okay, I'm done now. Yeah, remember when he was introduced and he glasses a Gnosis with its touch while all of the party is in a shipping container and everyone on the Elsa is just like, oh, that's chaos. He just does that. Don't worry <laughs> <Yeah>. about it. <laughs> Love him. Do we have any interesting party chat? There is less interesting party chat in this than Xenosaga 2. Yeah, I I mean, I haven't changed my party up much at all. Uh, and really, like, the only thing that's kind of interesting is because I'm trying to maximize Jin's damage. Like, I have him in this swimsuit plus the sword that gives him extra luck. And so he's getting a lot of counters, but that's it. They finally made the swimsuits not extremely busted, and now I'll never use one. Yeah, it's really situational. God, they were so good. Why would you make one like this? Situational swimsuits. That's right. All swimsuits are situational. (laughs) Not with that attitude. Wrapping it up, does anyone have any closing thoughts on Abel's arc? I'm glad it's over. Yeah, for (laughs) real. This feels like a scrapped dungeon concept graveyard. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Here's all the bullshit we thought wasn't good enough to be a dungeon. What if we made a dungeon out of all of that? Yep. Yeah. Like all the separate room ideas and just like, let's be real. Together. Yeah. If we cut Abel's arc down from 15 rooms, give or take, to 
maybe we do one or two regular ones and we put those gimmicks in between them and it's what if like, it was just a cutscene and then we fought Yuriev and then we left do you know how fucked the battle progression would be if we did that yeah. the battle progression is already fucked oh buddy just wait <laughs> you know, the thing that probably bothers me the most about this especially because I knew that there was some place called Abel's Ark coming up I expected a lot more imagery and a lot more just like there's no real effort put into the environmental design in just how does it fit into the story and tell like part of the story along with and what does it say about Abel because you know whose name it's a part of right Mm -hmm. like it's just it's just a blob of gnosis fun fact Abel's Ark was another candidate for database entry of the week but it also contains spoilers for upcoming events great i don't i don't really think this is abel's arc in the the pilot abel sense no it is is it it is that's even dumber yeah that's part of the spoiler and just okay contra- contrasting this with what disc one was able to do with labyrinthos in that, you know, that was also trying to truncate and crunch a few things, but they achieved it in a much more elegant way. Yeah, Labyrinth was fucking rocked. Yeah. Well, the thing is that that is a real concrete space with a purpose, right? Like, we know what Labyrinthos is there for, what, what we're doing there, and what the characters who are part of the plot are doing there. But this is just, it's just a giant MacGuffin dungeon. Well... Mm-hmm. The the real contrast point for this dungeon is Cathedral Ship, right? From Xenosaga right. 1. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is the same kind of formless space, but at least has, like, environmental storytelling in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's sort of what I mean, yeah. And is, like, meaningfully <laughs> like, navigable without color-coded crystals. Oh, also, <laughs> I know that there are lore reasons for this, but it's so dumb how it is basically just a gnosis, but solid. But there's a throwaway line right before you enter the dungeon that's like, well, technically, this isn't a gnosis, but like, come on. Did we be really talk funny about though? how you could walk around inside a gnosis without getting like jokerified by it in Xenosaga 1? What was we- the deal with that? We didn't. Um, um, spending time there still, also, I guess, turned into a pillar of salt, not being Joker fight. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You saw how Albedo turned out. <laughs> um, <laughs> we did have the discussion in Cathedral Ship of how if things are left there long enough, they are absorbed. But being in motion is one of those things. It's like, hey, you're fine for now. Well, I mean, like the whole salt thing. You're just inside of a giant gnosis. Do they ever try to explain that at all? I didn't. Don't think so. I didn't read. They the database just said, just wave your hand and say Nephilim did it. Well, they were all they were also like really loose about when they could phase through walls and when they couldn't and shit like that. Like whatever it was very. It, it was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> whatever it was. Yeah. Whatever would be the coolest at whatever given moment. Do you know would be f- hilarious if. In this dungeon, like, you could get randomly crystallized just by walking around if you weren't 100% G-resisted. That would rock. Mm -hmm. That'd be really funny. I mean, it would suck for people who didn't spend the money on that because it just becomes a money tax. But, like, it'd be very funny. You know what's funny to me is that how the crystallization thing 
buying into resist is a trap unless you're going to exploit the game extremely hard like i am because there's only three dungeons with gnosis in them and in two of them the gnosis are slow (laughs) so like you just outspeed them yeah i was also surprised by how few gnosis like you know we ended up fighting you know we end up a lot fighting a lot of mechs in here and not gnosis I get the feeling the fact that Gnosis take the most design work is why we don't see a lot of them. Because humans, you have a basic bodies type. Mechs, make it pointy, add one thing to the prior one. Gnosis are kind of distinct unless we just reuse the same models again. Which they do anyway. I don't think they've made a new model since the first game. Or at least... Okay, they made some new ones for like some of the extra areas in two, but a lot of these are reused. You know, oh yeah, they do a really good job with the reduced budgets in two and three, but you don't really notice it until I start thinking about stuff like enemy battle animations in Xenosaga One, like how that one enemy in Cathedral Ship had like this five second incredibly good animation for like this standard two hundred damage attack. Mm-hmm. It just. I don't know. They do a good job, but when you think about it, it's a little sad. Like, imagine Xenosaga 3 with a lot more money. Ah, I know. I, well, you know, imagine if Xenosaga 3 could have been Xenosaga, like, 4, 5, and 6, or whatever. And or we were three, spared from five. Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and 2. would have been great. <sighs> yeah, it would have been great. And, and Hey, <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles 3, coming this year. And coming can, soon. I'm not uh, going to play it, maybe. My ass, it's coming out this year. <laughs> Did they just move it up to you months do that or already? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying nothing about that game is going to be good when they quickly shuffled it around on the schedule to cover news about their union problems. Yeah. Yeah. That is a yeah. sacrificial yeah, yeah. lamb. What the f- yeah. yeah. That was such bullshit. All right, and, and it was so funny listening to um listening to Waypoint this week to be like they moved it up, huh? I wonder what's the deal with that. <laughs> like they didn't actually line that up. Yeah, no. Or like we yeah. are at the point where whenever a video game company has convenient shit on hand, you should be asking, what are they doing in the news right now? Yep. Like 2022, video game companies don't do good shit for you, period. Mm-hmm. They never did. You were just too dumb about it. <laughs> yeah, but it's never been so blatant before. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, shout outs to the hollowing out of our society. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Also, RIP to Monolith Soft, you're dead to me. Uh, it's such a bummer. Such a fucking bummer. I think they're going to be kept around as long as they can keep being a support studio. Nintendo I know, very th- rarely glasses that. I don't think they're going to get to be held here, but I also don't think they're going to get that Alpha Dream death kiss. Think about... Xenoblade Chronicles 2 made so much money. And it was mm-hmm. so bad. Mm-hmm. Like the mechanics were really good, but the game they put them in was very bad. And like people loved it. People were like, yep. I wish this 300 hour game was longer and had more meaningless bullshit. You forced me to do in it. And Xenosaga, you know what? Monolith Soft responds to feedback. It's going to be the most bloated thing I have ever played. Probably. Yeah. And I'm, you know what? I'm going to buy it, and I'm going to hate it, and then I'll never think about Monolith Soft again, unfortunately. Fucking why doesn't why doesn't Nintendo let Soraya Saga work uh, with Monolith anymore? What's Xenoblade the fuck? Chronicles X, bring it back, bitch! Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of questions there. Mm-hmm. I gotta buy that game before uh, it gets taken off the uh, the, the e shop gets taken down for Wii U. No, game... you don't. Don't buy it. Download it. Pirate it. You have a computer. Probably won't. Do that. Why? Too much effort. Too much effort. Oh my I god! Set up an emulator. Here's the thing. The Wii U is a console where pretty much any game on it is going to appreciate. I hate to say it. Having a physical copy? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. If I wanted to get a physical copy, it's probably way too late before it's gotten really expensive. That's true. Google it right now. Hold on. (laughs) While Matt is busy Googling things instead of participating in the podcast, does anybody else have things they want to share with the listeners? (laughs) You can find Matt, Chris, and I, and no longer Chris, on... That's uh, right. Boku no Stop, <laughs> which has just finished its season on Monster as we do this, and we are a few episodes into Flip Flappers. If you were fond of that show but not fond of one of the hosts, now's a good time to revisit because it's a very <laughs> experimental season as we start playing around with ideas. <gasps> okay, yeah. okay, speaking of hosts, I have to tell an anecdote. So in my Final Fantasy 14 free company, it's about 30 people. I got into voice chat and one of them recognized me by the sound of my voice. And they are a listener of LST. And they told me that their favorite. I said, which of your co-hosts is both the funniest and least problematic? And they said, Matt. Hell yeah. Yeah. Somehow, A, <laughs> Matt is the funniest, is deeply offensive to me. And B, it is extremely funny that Ryan is more problematic than Matt. Very good. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. No notes on me being very problematic. <laughs> of course. This is my new favorite listener. <laughs> Thank you, whoever you are. I'm sure you're, you're actually listening to this. <laughs> I'm very, saluting right now. Very funny. Also, very uncomfortable that my first interaction with somebody already knew exactly who I was. <laughs> I, I did tell you about the time somebody busted into a room when I was trying to get my nut on and recognize my voice, right? Oh, oh no. God. Oh, Wait, what? No. Oh, yeah, because I was banging their sister. Oh, no. The most get interesting commercial I've ever heard on. on this podcast. Yeah, for real. <laughs> oh, this was well before I was doing this show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's there's no content to be had around that. Speaking of trying to get my nut on, you can visit my OnlyFans at. Hey, I have been asked not to plug that on here, and I don't. Did I? Did anyone ask that? Yes. I don't remember that. One me. You told me keep my horny bullshit off of this because we're already explicit enough. No, I what I meant is keep your horny bullshit out of the notes, you weirdo. You can promote your personal thing that makes you money. Well, we're done with that for now. Ryan. Yeah, sure. Uh, you can <laughs> you can listen to some you can listen to some music I made with a friend uh, on Bandcamp at canonandavarin.bandcamp.com. Uh, so just to cut back in here, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X is uh, seventy dollars right now on disc on mm. Amazon. So I mean, try not to pay Amazon for things, but. Hey, you know what? It's not ins- obscenely expensive yet. Why don't you just buy it on eBay? And besides that, <laughs> and besides that, uh, you can listen to Boku No Stop Premium, where we just started recording on Death Note. Oh, uh, so good, Chris and John. It's pretty good. So, I mean, I've seen two episodes. It's it's pretty good so far. Fucking we'll love Death goes. Note. So I repeat. So- <laughs> 
please, please bully these nerds into doing the follow-up series. Please make them do Platinum End for no, my laughter. No. No. I'm well, in charge. Movie. No is the, the answer. Movie. We're gonna no, we're gonna do the three cool Japanese movies that are yeah, like right. diverge in the middle. Yeah. Cool. Uh and maybe maybe we'll read about the time Donald Trump bought the Death Note. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> you can listen to Ryan Ice podcast icons and icons by visiting our Patreon at pitchdrop.cash and kicking in as little as a buck a month. It's this podcast but about Final Fantasy 14, the MMO. And Matt doesn't have a commercial because he spent it plugging Amazon.com, a cool website that you might not have heard of. <laughs> that's all until next time when we'll be talking about the bonus bosses and begin the end game on Mictum, stopping at the ES Dan's corpse at a courtyard save point. Peace out, fuckers. Bye. See ya. And I mentioned Boku No Stop Premium. I had oh, you did. You actually did the commercial already. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I did that on purpose. I, I knew you would say something if I didn't do anything. God so. damn it. All right. I forgot about that because I wasn't paying attention when you were talking. <laughs> I mentioned Death Note and then you went on to say how good Death Note is. I Look, I operate on autopilot. <laughs> I'm surprised to find out that we talked about the yellow orb. I got to the end of the podcast. I was like, did we talk about that? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> going to stop recording now. <laughs> you can just leave that in. I don't fucking care. It's very <laughs> funny. Mm-hmm. And now the soft music is playing us out. Mm-hmm. Bye. And wait for tomorrow.